Welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. We're now past the 2021 uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And we have our, I, I suppose, four inductees, though, you know, for our purposes, we're really going to only talk about three of them. Yeah, Marvin Miller never never played a game on a baseball field, but he got in the Hall of Fame, deservedly so. I mean, very important to players' rights, had a great mustache, and his <laughs> name is Marvin Miller, and that's about all I can tell you. Um, but no, we're going to talk about the other three guys, and it's kind of interesting because I feel like this class in a lot of ways is very emblematic of the Hall of Fame and how they go about inducting people into it because you have one guy that everybody knew was going to be going in. He was, there was no doubt. And that was Derek Jeter. No question. Right. Right. I, I, even, even we met fans and even we met fans who would like to say, well, Jeter, you know, was a really good player, obviously a great baseball player, clutch player. And, and, and I can't speak to that. Probably even but was enough. he really the best shortstop? Right. At any right. That's what Met time. fans will tell, tell you going on. He wasn't even the best fielding shortstop in New York, you know, at, at the time. And he would, he would probably rate Reyes slightly. And Ordonez. Well, Ordonez was very early in that. But, but he was still playing. Those were the two contemporary Met shortstops too. Jeter and you would say both of them were better fielders than Jeter but but it's, it's also Met fans acknowledge Jeter's greatness in in the biggest moments right the guy 3, was thousand career hits sixth all time yeah sixth like, all time in hits okay so that's a no doubter when no you're sixth doubter. all time in hits you know you play as many seasons as he does has as many big and the thing for Jeter is like a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame, he has a bunch of big, indelible moments that are uniquely Jeter. He's one of our six great plays that, yeah. that are hallworthy. And, and we didn't even podcast. talk about one of them where he dove into the stands and right. came back with a bloody nose, bleeding because he dove for the ball in Fenway. Like, those are moments that you remember that become part of the, the, the tapestry of baseball. And, like... He's going to be in. There was never a question about it. So he had something like, I think, 3,465 hits. There was 3,400 hits. Just crazy, crazy amount of hits. And so as we had an episode on 200 hit seasons becoming an endangered species, to get 3,000 hits, let's just keep in mind that you'd have to have 150 hits for 20 years. You'd have to have, or if you had 200 hits, you got to do 15 seasons of 200 hits. There isn't even going to be anybody who gets 200 hits this season. Right, exactly. It's not easy to do to do. So what that also speaks to you is your ability to play a whole lot of seasons and be healthy. Oh, great and point. Something that you could really say, because I can only remember maybe one or two seasons where Jeter really exactly. dealt with big injuries. Right, right. Issues. The guy was out there. He played every day um, and, and played well every day and, and, you know, finished with the storybook, you know, base hit to end his career. I mean, just everything about that guy had sunshine on his shoulder. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, if you wanted it, if you wanted the face of of baseball he was the face of baseball for a long time and just because jeter loves to torture met fans it's just something that he does he has to become the guy running the marlins and he's and doing so a good job he's now. doing a good job and they're a real pain in the neck to the mets and yeah, like a- jazz chisholm and sandy alicantra are going to be really annoying to play against for the next like 15 seasons so it's just not enough that we had to have him be across town the whole time and winning champions now he's in a division, but now it's a lot easier <laughs> even easier to hate him right 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 you can you can dislike him even if you respect him yeah you know, there's there's total respect there. So the, the first guy, and, and so one of the things that struck me about, and, and I had the uh, 
on, I had it on in the background, the uh, Hall of Fame ceremony uh, this week on mm-hmm. Wednesday, which is weird that it was on a Wednesday and not on a weekend. Um, lots and lots of Yankee fans. Oh my goodness. That's the thing is that like, you kind of feel bad for the the other people because no matter what you're being inducted in the same year as Jeter, it's going to be all about him. Well, and you know, let's face it, you know, COVID travel, uh, Cooperstown is three, four hours from New York. Easy. Much easier. You can drive there. You don't have to fly in and do stuff. So it, it, it kind of made sense that that would happen. Um, but, you know, the, the standing ovation they gave Rivera because he was in there. So 31 Hall of Famers showed up uh, to be there at the Hall of Fame to watch. And I checked and said, there's 72 living Hall of Famers. I'm just curious as to how many of the people. So, so almost half of them. Right, right, almost half of them. And you had Frank Thomas, right? Mm. You had Pat Gillick, the GM of the Blue Jays and the other teams. Mike Mussina, Scherholz of the Braves, the GM. Eckersley and Smoltz. God, we got to get these guys on our podcast yeah. together. I just, I just want to talk to them about doing both of those things that they did so well, winning, and that was a trivia question this week, the most wins and saves combined for the two guys, you know. Um, Jack Morris, mm-hmm. who's had a, had a bit of a rough summer. Uh, Bud Selig was there. Um, Lee Smith, Trevor Hoffman, Raleigh Fingers, Goose Gossage, and, and Rivera, who got the standing ovation. So those are relief pitchers. Are real um, Ferguson Jenkins, who looked terrific, and, you know, it's got to be in his, you know, late 70s. Burt Blylevin, Trammell. These are names even you have heard of. Yeah, these right, are all right. the Hall of Famers. Right. Ripken, um, Winfield, Molitor, Larkin, Carew, Edgar Martinez, Sandberg, uh, Pedro Martinez, Wade Boggs, Henderson, Orlando Cepeda in a wheelchair. That was kind of hard to watch. Uh, Joe Torre and Ken Griffey Jr., who um, who still looks like he ate the other Ken Griffey Jr., if you ask me. Yeah, he, he's a big man now. He yeah. didn't look that way when he played baseball. Not the kid anymore. <laughs> and so the other thing I noticed was, so you, you had um, uh, a catcher, uh, Ted Simmons, right? He was the first guy uh, to come up. And we've talked about Ted Simmons on this podcast. And yeah. I, I think that we probably said that he was an almost guy who shouldn't be in. And I think we dinged Andrew Jones, although I'd say we both favored Andrew Jones getting into the Hall of Fame ahead of Ted Simmons. Because Andrew Jones just did everything Ted Simmons did, but more. Um, and and so what, what Simmons did, though, when you really look between the numbers and deepers, he had those seven seasons that Jay Jaffe talks about of excellence where he had the best. And this is when Bench is playing and, and Carter's to, to playing. Be, to, he was competing against the all-time greats And, and he catcher. hit 300 for a bunch of seasons, so he had some really lousy seasons to pull his career average down. And he had this weird, weird thing. So he's playing, playing for the Cardinals, and a guy named Pete Vukovic was a Cardinals pitcher into the early 80s. In 1981, he gets traded to the Milwaukee Brewers, okay? And sure enough, in 1982, who's playing in the World Series? The Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals. And so he pitches, you know, he uh, catches catches against, and Pete Vukovic pitches against the Cardinals, and it's a really good series, but the Cardinals win. And he kind of felt like he kind of missed his opportunity because he never did, uh, Ted Simmons, win a World Series. Mm -hmm. He played for a bunch of teams. Uh, But just, you know, a really good offensive catcher, not a great defensive catcher. Right, which is where you, it hurts him when you compare him to a guy like Andrew Jones, who had a similar career average, but hit more home runs and was one of the greatest defensive center fielders of all time. Right. So it wasn't like he was playing a low-value defensive position you know compared to catcher he's playing one that's equally as important and we let offensive uh catchers uh first 
go into the Hall of Fame. Mike Piazza's there, and he's the poster child for a guy who was a, you know, a, a good, he, I think you'd say about Piazza, he was a good receiver of the ball. Well, yeah, you're the catcher. You're supposed to catch the baseball. If you, if you can't do that aspect of your job, what job are you doing? So, so I, I but, you know, on this podcast, and, and I, the, what's her name? Jane, whatever, who's, she's the head of the Hall of Fame. I can't remember her last name. Um, she talked about the fact that, you know, there's 333 people in the Hall of Fame, and we know there's about 260, 70 players, and there's other, you know, officials in the game. So that's, she said, there's 1% of all the players that ever played baseball, because there's now just over 20,000. Now, granted, you know, you're talking about like one point something right. percent. It's going to be low, like 1.1, 1.2, but it's still 1%. So, so Gordon and I on this podcast, since we've started it, just say there's room for more players in the Hall of Fame. And Ted Simmons is the point I'm going to make here is sort of emblematic of what that means. The guys we should be quibbling over are guys that right now we would say there's no way right, they should be right, in the Hall right, of Fame. Right, right. He's not a Hall of Famer. Because realistically, when you look at like the guys that aren't in that should be in – I mean, you could add 40 people potentially to the Hall of Fame and not even push it above 1.5%. That's the point. It's still 1%. You could add 40 people and you'd still be under 1.5%. And so what's the big deal about having this? It's still an exclusive club. Right, right. You're, you're, but, you know, now you're going to be arguing because it's like guys like Larry Walker and Ted Simmons shouldn't need a political campaign and fan pressure in order to get them into the Hall of Fame. I think I think Simmons had more advocacy for his campaign because he got in by the Veterans Committee, not as a as an ex player the way Walker did. But Walk, but the writers were pressured to put in Walker because there has been a huge push from current fans saying, "Why is this guy not in the Hall of Fame?" Right, right. I mean, and so so why wouldn't Larry Walker be in the Hall of Fame? Like, why? why what was the big knock? You know what it is. He wasn't great at, on defense. No, he's a great defensive. Then player. what was his played in Colorado? Colorado didn't make the guy hit 300. I'm so tired of the Colorado bias, right? And and this is going to come up when Todd Helton. Because Todd Helton should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. This is the guy who should not be even questioned. Because not only was he one of the greatest offensive first basemen of that era, and then you could say really the only guy he wasn't better than during, you know, the heyday of his career is also a first ballot lock Hall of Famer in Albert Pujols. So it's like I can't really punish a guy because he wasn't as good as Pujols. And, you know, you want to – okay, so here's a Rocky who had a nice Rocky career who's definitely not a Hall of Famer, benefited from Colorado, Vinny Castilla. Yeah. Really – Andres Colorado. Nice, really good player. One of batting titles and stuff. But not a Hall not of a Famer. Ha- right. Helton, Hall of Famer. Right, right. Larry Walker, Hall of Famer. So adding adding to that, and so I think Simmons and and as you point out, Walker are sort of like yeah, that's what we were saying about having more people. They could have put another ten guys in this year, right? There's and then the, you know a guy like Omar Vizquel. Should a guy that won that many gold gloves won a decades worth of gold gloves? Yeah not be in the Hall of Fame. And he's been accused on this very podcast of being a compiler, which is true to some degree. He played right, right. a lot of years. The, 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 the difficulty did. when you're talking about the Hall of Fame is that you have to talk about players in the current context of the Hall of Fame. And a guy like Omar Vizquel doesn't get in because you can consider him a compiler. But in a just world where you're putting the correct number of players in the Hall of Fame, a guy like Omar Vizquel isn't a compiler anymore. Right, right, and and so I w- I think we always felt he was marginal. I kind I think I didn't have him on my list. I'm a I'm, a, li- I'm a little more bullish on yeah, him than yeah, you yeah. are. But but overall, if you if you go up to ten thousand feet, he should be there because there's another twenty or thirty guys, and and we're gonna do this. We're gonna probably say we've talked about the nine, the first nine guys that aren't in that should be in. I think we can go to thirty and exhaust the reasonable uh, we, 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 candidate. 
that we might not even get to 30 right. in all honesty because right. there might be a point where we're like are we really going to say this guy should be a hall of famer and then we still have a hall of fame with less than one and a half percent of the players all time that are that are in it it's still an exclusive club for the greatest of the great we, we just get rid of the guy because you know and if we're going to be really fair honestly we shouldn't count the steroid guys as part of those 30 because it's dumb to me that we're going to be like oh yeah barry bonds shouldn't be in the hall of fame yeah, well you know, you know we both feel the same way about that you know they, they, they earned it and and i think you mentioned uh, off air you know dale murphy is a perfect you know in the, uh, an emblem of a guy who why should are we be in the quibbling over you know, whether i went back-to-back mvps you know what if you win back-to-back mvps you're in the hall of fame it's the guys <laughs> like robin ventura no that should be the guy we're right. quibbling over like, right is, is ventura good enough to be in the hall of fame no nope. really good fielder had some big seasons hall of very good yep Yep. That's the player yep. that, that should be on the borderline. So we'll, we'll do that in a, a future episode. I noticed as they, as they all sat down, so Ted Simmons is the first guy, and he, of course, somebody wrote about that he had like a Hogwarts professorial way of talking. <laughs> they loved this guy, and he was apparently nicknamed, and I, I watched this guy play um, almost his entire career because you know I was, I was aware of what was going on, mm-hmm. and he had long hair, I guess, during his playing days, and when I thought about it, yeah, I guess everybody had long hair you know, in the 70s, and so that he was nicknamed Simba. Right. So so I'm I'm going back and forth with some of these people, you know, on Twitter and we're like 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 was he ever called Simba during Oh yeah, he was called Simba in his career because he had like a lion's mane. I'm like that sounds like a name they gave to him. It's not true. It actually was his name, but he never was referred to that by any broadcaster. Right, no. Because in my memory. Like, it feels weird because it's like, well, the Lion King didn't come out to like <laughs> right, right. in so 1990. It wasn't like, so, so why, why did they call where, him Simba? Where, where did they get the name Simba I from? I the same thing. So I was looking in the in, in of all the players that showed up, and I'm thinking, man, the catchers must really hate Ted Simmons because not one catcher showed up. No Pudge, right? Mm-hmm. No um, uh, Fisk. You know, no Piazza, no, no Piazza. No now bench. Johnny Bench was going to introduce him, and he got COVID before so this, so can't. he didn't show. So really, I mean, we love Johnny Bench, and he's, he's which, which in a way might have been why the other guys didn't show up because you don't really want to try and be Bench's replacement. But you know, catchers don't get in very much. It just surprised me. Now it's a COVID year; you don't know what everybody's situation is. But mm. you know, to not have any other catchers in the in the yeah. in the audience, he's not one of us. Yeah, he doesn't belong. <laughs> he wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. Come on, you're not serious. So, um, and uh, I also Bench noticed out there infecting himself with COVID. We won't give him the satisfaction. So, so, and we talked about the standing ovation. So, Rivera got one, Jeter got one, and Joe Torre got one. Lots of Yankee fans. Lots yeah. of Yankees. No, Reggie Jackson who was there. It. Did not get. It. <laughs> did not get it. Probably too old for a lot of. Yankee and Winfield fans. did not get it. Now I don't know if you identify Winfield as a but, Yankee primarily but, but, but or not. That makes sense though, because think about it. Rivera Torre Torre. And Jeter were all contemporaries. So if people are there to watch Jeter get in, they're going to be people that were fans of Jeter's team. So they're not going to feel connected to Reggie Jackson and Dave Winfield in the same way. It just felt to me a little bit, particularly in in, in Winfield's standpoint. So you've got Mr. October. That's Reggie. And they refer to Derek Jeter as Mr. November. You know what Steinbrenner referred to Dave Winfield back when he was uh, playing for the Yankees? Mr. May. Ooh. That was cold-blooded, man. That, that was Steinbrenner, though. <laughs> Mr. May. That's Steinbrenner. So, and, and, and Winfield and, is an all-time great And player. you know what part of me appreciates the Steinbrenner-esque energy that uh, Cohen brings back to baseball? It's like, he's like, I, I personally, as a fan, I like that me he too. tweets out things after the game. Me too. Like, it makes, the, like... The, the problem is, is that baseball fans can be too sanctimonious when it comes to this stuff, and it's the no, same... Oh, you can't be serious. The same way with the Hall of Fame, like... 
re- like, oh, this is going to cause internal disruptions in the clubhouse. Like, I'm sorry. These are grown men who are play- paid to play baseball. If the owner tweeting on Twitter is putting them in a tizzy, causing them to be unable to play, we've got a way bigger issue. And, and so Jeter gets up there and he first he teases out the writer that didn't vote for him. <laughs> he goes, I want to thank you. One one, I want to thank one for you know voting me into the Hall of Fame or something like that. And everybody kind of laughed, going, "Yeah, you're you're tweaking the writer who didn't vote for me. He would have been unanimous like Rivera." I, I wonder. You almost wonder if that was like that's the point. One of them was like Jeter shouldn't be the unanimous guy. Do like the writers have to pick straw like hats like straws out of a hat to be like who got the duty of not voting Jeter? Um, and and in the audience uh, that uh, on that afternoon, Michael Jordan is sitting there, and behind him is Patrick Ewing and. Uh, Watching Jeter, I assume, get inducted into the Hall of Fame, um, it was a little odd. Not that there was anything wrong with it. I just, but I do remember there being the weird thing that – wasn't it Jeter, Brady, and Jordan that all, like, were friends? Boy, I don't remember that. I, for some reason, I think that's the case. Like, they're all friendly. Yeah, and I and, and kudos to Jordan, I guess, um, because it just reminded everybody about what he couldn't do, <laughs> which was be a, a, a great Major League baseball, baseball player. player. Um, Barry Larkin looked fantastic, and one of the things that I thought was interesting is when the Reds um, uh, almost drafted Jeter when, when he came up, but they had Larkin at shortstop. So if the Reds drafted Jeter and they had Larkin at short, Larkin would have been the shortstop. Where would Derek Jeter have played on that yeah, team? Yeah, how long, and how long, how much longer, because Larkin played until like oh yeah two thousand two thousand one. He didn't yep. retire until after after. So the, they were contemporaries. So so they but that means like Jeter got to start playing in ninety six. So if he had gone to the Reds, he would have either sat behind right. Larkin for like a bunch of seasons, or we'd have Derek Jeter the second baseman. We would have had a, <laughs> and we wouldn't have the history, and we wouldn't have probably have a Hall of Famer. I, it, it's, 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 would he have risen out of that or would he have gotten traded? Oh, who, who knows? knows? Who knows? Who knows if Derek Jeter playing second for the Yankee for the, for those Reds teams. Now you've got Larkin, Jeter, Sean Casey, like those, there were those some decent early two thousands. It's a big teams. difference to have a guy like Jeter playing second base. Right. You might've been, a, cause they, 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 it wasn't like they had Brandon Phillips at the time. He didn't come till much later, later than that. Yeah. 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 He didn't come till the end of that, that decade. So, I mean, you put Jeter at second base there, the Reds might be a different team. The Yankees might be a different team. Uh, and they, they talked about the 10 Hall of Famers that were lost over the past two years. You remember, they did not have an induction ceremony, so they kind of have put the two years together. Uh, Hank Aaron, uh, Whitey Ford, Tom Seaver, Lou Brock, Al Kellon, uh, Bob Gibson. These Unbelievable to say these names. As, as, yeah. These were my Titans. heroes. Morgan, Phil Negro, Don Sutton. Tommy Lasorda, well, okay. Um, Tommy Lasorda, as I mentioned. So these are these are venerated names, and that's the point of the Hall of Fame. Why we think there can be more people in there? They should be. It's never good. I mean, yes, it's over two years, but it's not a good look when between the two years you've got less people going in than people dying. <laughs> Well, that and, and there are years in the Hall of Fame voting, right, where nobody gets in. It's, it's, I mean, that's coming. I mean, it's come hard on. for me to believe that, like, like you should get to a point where you're like, yeah, nobody should go in. Right, we should have so many good candidates in the Hall of Fame. All the all the marginal guys are are in 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 our book. And now it's like, you know what? There really there really anybody isn't anybody. In we there. need some guys to retire. Yeah, and and now we've got we, we've talked about this on the podcast. You know, we've got some guys like Miggy, and you know, these are you know, is Joey Votto a Hall of Famer? I, I mean, I think if you're looking at right now, you've got probably if you look across it, like four to five locks right now in our books. In our books, certainly, you've got Poolhos. Yep, you've got M- Miggy. Miggy, you probably have Verlander. I agree. 
I think it's hard to say that he wouldn't be. I, I would put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I would. Granky? Granke, Granke and I mean, Scherzer are guys that you're going to have to talk about. I would probably uh, – Granke is a guy that you would have to strongly consider. I think then you would have guys like Votto that you're going to have to strongly now, consider. Now, particularly on the basis of this this season, season really helped, helped him, him a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's still, Same thing with Wainwright. I wouldn't have even put him in the conversation, but in our Hall of Fame – He probably is a guy he, in the conversation. talk about him. There's another no-doubter in his catcher. Yeah. Yadier is a yep. in their first ballot, no doubter. Yep, a bunch Buster Posey guy that you're probably talking about strongly, especially with how good he's playing. Okay, how about Madison Bumgarner? No, right, I agree, I agree. So you you can't. He only had a couple seasons of true dominance, and then he faded. Yeah, well, he had he had an exceptional World Series. And then a really good World Series. Right. And so that, you know. That, that helps. At least, but I, what I want to do is get into the conversation about guys like that and go, yeah, there's just no way um, that, that that Bumgarner is in there with all those other guys. He, he might be, you know, another poster child of an almost guy. Yeah. You know he's not. And that's where we need to get to with the Hall of Fame. It was what we've been saying. Yes. Yeah, yeah, really, realistically, like, we only, like, we went through the list of guys that should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. And it's not that long. Right, right, and 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 so there, there's some guys playing that might get there. You know, I think a guy like two, three. There's a bunch of guys in the NL East that I think if they play out their careers, like you've got Soto and Acuna, even a guy like Freddie Freeman. Long way for those guys to go. But all of those guys are putting together the types of careers that could get them towards the Hall of Fame. And in the coming years, you're going to have guys like Jimmy Rollins. As uh, he's going to come up, you're going to Halliday. Chipper Jones made it. If, you know, Hall- Hall- Halliday's in already. Halliday's yeah, yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're going to have guys that you think, yeah, they had really, really good careers. You know what? Actually, they were better than really good. Those are Hall of Fame C- careers. CC. I think it's somebody you can talk about. CC's gonna name is gonna come up in a couple years. It doesn't feel like to he me sh- he should be, it, but he should be because in the conversation, right? Because he should be a guy that's on the border instead of a guy that has no chance. That's the issue with the Hall of Fame, right? I think I think five or ten years ago, a guy like CC you would never even bring up as a possible Hall of Famer. And I think the way we value players now, you know, he has some, so because here here's what I'll say: Mike Mussina is in the Hall of Fame, right? I would take CC over Mike Messina okay, okay. any day of the week if okay. I needed to get a game. I don't think you saw Messina pitch enough at but, his best. But even at his best, I would still want CC over him. And and so all these numbers, you know, we talk about Simmons' 248 average and Andrew Jones, you know, hitting around 250. That's so far away from 300, which was always the benchmark. Is I, Everybody has to recalibrate a little bit on the numbers, and we've been doing that, right? Are, are there going to be – is anybody going to be a 3,000 strikeout pitcher ever again? Probably not. Probably not. You got to strike out two hundred and fifty guys for twelve years. Guys don't pitch it. They don't pitch enough innings or to enough right. batters to do that. So what you're going to now need to look at is things like K per nine rates and your WHIP and your WHIP because that's going to tell you okay how effective was this guy when he was. We have pitching. better metrics, so we're going to have to use them because 300, 300 game winners. No more, none of those. 200 is going to be the new 300 when it comes to pitchers. And it says, well, the guy won 200 games. You know, and that's that's going to be the, the a benchmark. Meaning, right? A meaningful thing. There's a benchmark. You know, the home runs, well, maybe that's going to change. It's going to go higher because guys hit so many home runs Yeah, because now. now guys hitting 300, 400 home runs, you just have to play enough seasons and be a good power hitter. Right, and you Pete, can do that and nothing else. Pete, Pete will hit 300, 400 home runs in his career easy. Yeah, Pete Alonso, I think you're right. He's, he's already on there. He's already got over 100. He's already got over 100. So I, I think we're going to – we'll put an episode together where we're going to throw in the guys. And we don't know how many guys that would be the cutoff where both of us go, nah, can't put But that's going to be the interesting it, part it, about it. Is it 15? Is it 
20? I don't Is think it more? We'll, we, we'll, I don't know. We'll break it down. We'll first figure out what we need to do, the number of players we can add to keep it under 1.5% right. and then work <laughs> back from there. Yeah. Because if we go to two, we'll definitely run out. But but uh, in closing, the Hall of Fame, the ceremony was, I, I watched, or peripherally, I watched the whole thing and I listened to the speeches and I liked it. It was maybe because it didn't have it last year, but it's nice to hear these guys thank the people in their careers that helped them on the way up in terms of the coaches and the and the people in their lives. I, I really like that. Baseball is a game with history, and Major League Baseball needs to lean into it more because unlike a lot of the other sports, you have video, you have stories, you have game logs of all of these guys and their accomplishments. You can get to know these players as a fan even today. And the fact that you have all of that and you just have, you know, this long running history of baseball, you need to find ways to lean into that to show people the interesting aspects of baseball history and get them to be fans of the game and not just fans of that season. And what other of the major sports um, do you have generational careers where a guy will play 20 or more years, right? Football players don't play 20 years. How many, you have a lot Basketball of players don't play you 20 have so years. many guys that played 20 years and then went on to be a manager. Right, right. So they're part of the game in a way. But I think I think the playing time, it's really, it's very different guys from the other sports. People's entire right. formative years. Guys that started, there are guys that started playing in 1989 and they were playing until 2007 when I graduated high school. Yeah, yeah. That happened. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, and and so there's a few guys that we talked about that have played in four different decades. You know, guys like Tim McCarver who played in 59 and 1980, so he just barely touched that. That doesn't happen in any, in other, any sport. other sport. So that, I think that's, make, you said, lean into the history, lean into the tradition, uh, and lean into the stories. And I think it's like one of the things that, you know, you got about the, like the Mets broadcast does really well is they're a because they know baseball history so well they're able to talk about the not you know the whole context of that game they can talk about oh yeah 50 years ago the Mets played the Braves this weekend and this is what happened and who was in the game that's cool yeah and I don't know that other sports have that quite as much right you don't hallmark games you know I remember that game you know you it doesn't it's something you does happen it does not as much as baseball it's unique in terms of how much you can do it in yeah, baseball. Yeah, yeah. And that's what makes it special. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at Almost Cool.